All right, welcome into the JC Hoops Pod with Jackson Collier and Mason Choate. We're from hogbeat.com, H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com. That is the Rivals website covering your Arkansas Racebacks who will be taking on the Duke Blue Devils in the ACC-SEC Challenge on Wednesday evening at Bud Walton Arena. I'm sure you've seen the ticket prices. They're insane. I'm so, so thankful that I don't have to pay for a ticket. I'm sorry to everybody who had to, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. It's an Arkansas team that needs a win desperately and could definitely use a win against a, a team like Duke, especially after uh, the past few games, Jackson. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, but first of all, so you've had some time to calm down a little bit, Jackson. I know you were a little bit worked up during feast week. You were getting into it online. I told you you suck on Twitter. Uh, maybe we can talk about that a little bit. But uh, do you are are you okay? Have you calmed down a little bit? You feeling a little bit okay? Oh, dude, I'm great. I, I've been great from the start. I'm just trying to do my job as an objective analyst and point out the things that are working and the things that aren't working. So, yeah, I've, I've been good ever since. I had a really good Thanksgiving uh, up here in Michigan and, and got to cook all the good food. So I had a great feast week. There's a lot of good basketball on, good football on, all that sort of stuff. So I wasn't too torn up about it. Well, as far as as far as Arkansas goes, though, let's, let's get into it because we don't want to waste people's time. So it, it's an Arkansas team that obviously lost two out of three of the battle for Atlantis. You lost to Memphis. You lost to North Carolina. It took double overtime to beat Stanford. So three games that, you know, from, from start to finish, you didn't know if Arkansas was going to win. Um, and so that's tough. You know, Tremont Mark, you don't know if you're going to have him against Duke. And then if you go back to before battle for Atlantis, you lost to UNC Greensboro at home. So for this basketball team, I mean, Eric Musselman is in – he's in he's in like a – a mode where like I would not want to be around him because he said he said on Monday that he's watched 14 hours worth of film just so he could send cut-ups to all of the players individually from at least the battle for Atlantis I think he was saying that he also cut up stuff from UNCG um, but I mean like when when Muss is is no longer delegating to the assistants or whoever it may be that normally sends out the cut-ups when he's doing that himself you know that like it's first of all, it's serious, and second of all, you just don't want to be around him right now because he is in, you know, head down. I got to figure out how we can win basketball games mode. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And you know, I think he's he's a strong enough basketball mind. I mean, I'm not trying to say anything about anybody on staff. He he has assembled a really strong staff here too, but you know, there's a reason he's been an NBA head coach. There's a reason he's been so successful at the college level because he has a really strong basketball mind. Um, and when he gets in that mode where he's like, I need to take control, I need to do this, you know, that says a lot, number one, about how urgent things are right now. I mean, he's been around college basketball a long time. Um, he knows the importance of big wins. He knows the importance of getting things turned around before conference play starts. And look, I came on here in the, on the postgame shows and was talking after UNCG about how bad of a loss it was and how they needed to win two of three in the Bahamas, and they didn't. Because um, now you have Duke and you have a few tune-up games, and even Oklahoma is going to be tough this year. They're undefeated and have a couple of nice wins. So you, you really have a tough road ahead before you even get to conference play, including Wednesday against Duke. So I think number one, him having to break down all this stuff or wanting to break down all of this, all of this stuff himself, that's taking a really large burden on his shoulders um, that 
he feels like this is a crucial point of the season. We really need to to figure things out, and I'm going to spearhead that. I, I think I think it's smart. I think he absolutely has to do it. I think the staff is more than capable of doing it, but this way Musk is like, no, I'm going full on control freak mode, and I'm getting things figured out. Well, it's not even it's not even like control freak. It's you're the head coach. You got to figure it out. And shout out to Eric Musselman for recognizing that as a head coach of a college athletics program, that he has to be the one to figure out the problems and you can't just go blaming, right? Like that's that's kind of how this thing works, right, Jackson? It's not no like shade done there at all, right? I don't think anybody else would do that, right? I, I just don't know. Um, but yeah, so shout out like that's that's the difference between Eric Musselman and other coaches is that you know he's he is wired that way. I think Caleb Battle said earlier in the year that he's a mad scientist. Like that's how that's the best way to describe Eric Musselman, and he is in mad scientist mode trying to figure out how to get this to work. Um, but it has it has been a, it's it's really just been a tough week on them. So they had travel issues trying to get to the battle for Atlantis. They got there late, and then on the way back, it sounds like they had travel issues as well. Um, Eric Musselman said on Monday they left the hotel in, in Atlantis roughly 6 a.m. on Saturday, got back at roughly 3. He said that's a long travel day that should have been a three-hour flight but turned into uh, a longer flight. And then, you know, I think he was saying um, that's, you know, I guess the good thing is with the longer flight, I think he was able to get in some more film. Like he said, he watched like seven hours worth of film. So, you know, like maybe that helped a little bit, but obviously you don't want to be traveling. By the time he talked to us on Monday, they hadn't even practiced yet since the battle for Atlantis. Um, and, he, you know, he got a little frustrated just because it's like it's been tough for them, but it's tough circumstances that they had, you know, three games in three days, especially with the travel issues. Um, but now you're back home. They're going to practice. and You don't know if Tremont Mark's going to play. I think that's the biggest news right now. Um, stretchered off of the court against North Carolina on Friday. He was released from the hospital on Friday. Um, from what we could tell, from what he tweeted out, like everything seemed okay. Um, but what we learned on Monday was that he is truly, like his status is unknown. Um, he's not in, he's not out, he's not doubtful, he's not probable. It's literally just they don't know. Um, but Eric Mosman did say T. Mark was in a wheelchair on the travel day. He's had MRIs done. Uh, today, Monday, he's seeing a spine specialist. So that's kind of where it's at. They don't, they just don't know, but that's a guy that scored 34 points against North Carolina. You know, he's your leading scorer to this point in the season. You need to have that guy if you possibly can Jackson. Yeah, no, Tremont Mark is really, I don't even think this team has a leader right now, but if there was one, I'd point to Tremont Mark. He's definitely been the the leader in terms of style of play. He's been the one that's been scoring. He's been kind of putting the team on his back, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, playing good, hard defense, all that sort of stuff. Um, I still think this team needs to to find a, a real true leader, but you know, he's clear. I, I think Tremont Mark has been playing the best of any Razorback so far this season. So obviously his losing him hurts no matter what. Um, like you said, we, we don't know his status at all. Uh, it's just kind of unknown, uh, which, you know, we're not going to speculate on any of that. So I guess if you're not going to speculate about it and you don't know his status, you go into it just assuming he's not going to be there for all, because it's just so up in the air, uh, which and, 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 you know, Arkansas hasn't really been able to prep with him. I mean, they haven't really had time to prep at all. Like you said, they haven't practiced yet. Uh, but 
practice would be would begin on Monday today, um, depending on what the specialist said, with or without Tremont Mark. Um, so it's it's a huge loss because that's a guy that the offense is kind of built around. A lot of times when they're going in ISO situations, you're going these overload sets, these two-man games, it's Tremont Mark with the ball in his hands, and he's making a play. Um, it's, it's been him and Caleb Battle, really, for the most part. And even in transition, he's been one that's been pushing the ball in transition, scoring in transition. Um, he's played solid defense, rebounding well, too. So he's been doing everything on a team that has struggled in all the areas that he has done well in. Yeah. So in another another injury situation, we don't know Jalen Graham's status either. And I feel like he's a guy that they definitely could have used in the battle for Atlantis. And with this Duke team coming in, I mean, obviously Duke's going to have size. They're going to have length. They're going to have athleticism. Everything that you need to be a, a championship-level basketball team, Duke has that. It all starts with Kyle Filipowski. Jackson, how much how much Duke basketball have you watched? And, I mean, I guess just go ahead and give us your scouting report. While you do it, I'll pull up some stats, and you just kind of go off and do your little nerd basketball thing with Duke. Look, I mean, Duke, is it's a really good basketball team. It just, it just is. I watched the game. Uh, I watched their game against Arizona at home, and I watched them play Michigan State. I thought they looked really strong in both games. Uh, Arizona really impressed me uh, when they when they beat Duke. Uh, but they're they're just a really solid basketball team. They have a lot of talent. I was surprised that Filipowski would come back, and he did. Uh, that's a mismatch problem for Arkansas. He's seven foot, two hundred thirty pounds. He's scoring at will. He's rebounding at will. Um, and it's an Arkansas team that hasn't defended the post well. They're allowing layups. They're, they really don't have uh, much of a post defense at all. Uh, they're one post presence that's healthy right now uh, that's played decent defense is Makai Mitchell, and he keeps getting in foul trouble way too early and not really rebounding the ball all that well. So, yeah, what's up with that, by the way? I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I feel like I don't really remember Makai getting into foul trouble so early so often last year. Yeah, so I think part of it is he's being – aggressive and dumb times sometimes I think some, some of the the calls have not been great there there have been times where he was vertical playing good post defense he got called for a foul you know it's it's a judgment call on the official that I didn't agree with at times I think there was like one or two of those um and then there are plenty of just like stupid aggressive plays he's made so I think he just needs to calm down play smart um and not get in foul trouble because you know, you can look at any number of advanced analytics, this, that, the other. You watch on a film, uh, he's helped generate extra possessions for the team that don't show up in box scores, that don't show up in the analytics. Like, it doesn't count as a rebound if you tip it to a teammate. Now, he's done that multiple times in the past few games where there will be a loose ball and he'll tip it to a teammate. It doesn't count as a as a rebound, but if you're tracking it from the bench, it's like, oh, Makai got a tip or whatever, got his hand on the ball. Um he, he'll box out his primary man in the post. Um, secondary boxing out has been a really big issue, but he'll box out primary um, and his guy won't get the rebound. Doesn't mean he always comes away with the ball, uh, but I digress. You know, it's it's one of those things. He's just got to play smarter and not get into foul trouble. If Arkansas wants any chance against teams with, with good posts, um, and they've played a few so far, um, like Baycott at North Carolina. Uh, you know, and Makai Mitchell didn't really play all that much, really didn't really play all that well that game either. Um, he's got to stay out of foul trouble. He's got to play smarter. He's already got a 15.10 rebound double-double this season against weaker competition, but Musselman is complimentary of him after that game. He played smart, played like a leader, 
um, and all that sort of stuff. He needs to do that every game. If he can find that every game, Arkansas would be in a much better position. All right. Uh, keep keep going on Duke then. So where where were you at as far as talking about Duke when I interrupted? Oh, just mainly, uh, you know, they're a really good team. Filipowski, uh, I was talking about post-defense, you know, because Filipowski, at his size, I don't know who Arkansas sticks on him other than Makai Mitchell, who can legitimately defend him. I mean, uh, Chandler Lawson looked pretty good. They, they, the team as a whole looked pretty good guarding Zach Eady of Purdue when they ran uh, Chandler Lawson. And I think Chandler Lawson was on Eady, and he ran a really tough uh, ball denial at, at the guard spots to make it difficult to pass the ball down the post. That might be something you have to try to do against Filipowski, but then he also has an added threat that Edie doesn't have. He can step out and shoot three, doesn't shoot a ton, shoots around three a game, but he's knocking them down. So that's an added layer. I don't know how you uh, end up guarding that because if you stick Makai Mitchell out on him, um, you know, and he steps out, Makai is at a complete disadvantage because Filipowski is versatile enough to be able to hit the outside shot and put the ball on the floor. Um, I, I really think, that position against Duke is really going to be that matchup in particular is going to be where Duke uh, thrives um, that five spot. And then also, you know, Eric Musselman talked a lot about, or he had an extended answer uh, in the Bahamas after the loss to North Carolina about the three spot. He felt like Arkansas didn't have the length uh, to compete or to defend like they had in the past with DC Tony, with the Martin twins at Nevada, uh, with Stanley Amude, with th- these guys who are like six, seven playing defense on the wings. Cause you know, Arkansas has played against these long wings. Duke has length on the wing again. Um, I mean, you're looking at six, eight, six, five, six, five uh, in their kind of wing hybrid forward rotation and guard rotation. Um, so really good length there as well. Well, not as much, per se, is like a Harrison Ingram or, or some others that we've seen against North Carolina, but still plenty of length there. So it's going to be interesting to see, number one, how Arkansas defends Filipowski, number two, how that defense goes uh, against those wing spots. And then on top of all that, you have to worry about the point guard position because Arkansas also struggled against the point guard position. R.J. Davis put up a career high uh, for uh, North Carolina. Uh, the UNCG guard, I can't remember his name, he put up a bunch of points. Uh, against Arkansas so the point guard defense really has to be a lot better they have a senior point guard and Jeremy Roach uh you know he and Proctor are both kind of handling ball handling uh responsibilities right now and the two of them are combining uh, for eight assists a game and that almost matches Arkansas's assists per game as a team wow yeah assists assists have been tough to come by for Arkansas you talked about the point guard play um I mean, what is it? Because the, the, all we could talk about preseason was the just the depth at guard for Arkansas. And obviously you have the injury to Tremont Mark, so you don't really – I mean, you kind of throw that out of the scenario. But L. Ellis, I mean, you haven't – I don't even, we don't even really know what's going on with him. Layden Blocker stepped up, but he's still a freshman. Caliph Battle is, is like – he seems like a really hot or cold guy. Um, I mean – who else? I mean, Devo Davis, but we know Devo Davis is just the Devo Davis experience. You're going to get good Devo. You're going to get bad Devo. And you take good Devo or you take bad Devo because you know good Devo is really good. But, like, outside of that, I mean, that's a lot of names, but it, it hasn't been – it hasn't – the performance has not been up to the level that we were really expecting, right? No, absolutely. And I think – I don't know what's causing it, 
but the issue has been so far that they just aren't performing up to, to expectations. For whatever reason, it seems like L. Ellis has lost his confidence. I don't know what's up with that. I don't even think he scored in the Bahamas. Um, you know, he played however many minutes over the last two games and got no zero points. I don't remember his specific stat line against Stanford, but I think he didn't score that game as well. Um, Arkansas needs L. Ellis to be a contributor and not just be a contributor, be able to score and facilitate. He had an insane assist rate last season playing for Louisville. Now, obviously, he's put up a lot of points at Louisville. Part of that was because he was the only ball handling option in terms of his assist rate. But the thinking was, oh, well, Arkansas is going to have plenty of pieces for him to actually facilitate to. Um, my thinking when when I did my scout on L. Ellis whenever he came from Louisville uh, in the offseason, I thought he was a, a more of an off-ball guard. Um that the staff might have recruited as a point guard. Turns out, I think that ended up being the case. And, you know, I, I think that's still lingering. Maybe that adjustment to being a true point guard. He, like I said, he played it at Louisville, but playing a true point guard in a more legitimate college scheme like Musselman's, uh, I think it is taking some time to adjust. Top of that, you already mentioned the Devo Davis experience. Uh, need better shot selection from him. It's just he has not taken really good shot selection this year, really need better selection from him. His defense hadn't been as great this year either, which is kind of disappointing, but nobody on the team really has, has played great defense. Tremont Mark, I haven't loved a ton of the shots he's taken, but he's hitting them. So it's hard for me to sit here as an, as an observer and be like, you know, he shouldn't be taking those shots. if He's hitting them. A lot of those contested mid range jumpers, um, you know, Layden Blocker has done a lot of things well. Must praised his his tenacity, his toughness, his his energy. But you know, little things that he needs to learn about. You know, facilitating more, running the offense more, and then also not crashing the offensive glass. Which, you know, there are two sides to that argument. Arkansas hadn't been offensive rebounding all that well. Uh, Layden Blocker has like the second or third highest offensive rebounding rate, and had the second most offensive rebounds in the Bahamas on the team behind Trevin Brazil. Um, Musselman made the point that that might. Uh, have added to the effect of how bad the transition defense is. You don't have your, your point guard back there. I understand that point. Transition defense has been bad with or without Layden Blocker on the court, though. Wrapping it up, though, guards have to play better. L. Ellis needs to be an actual facilitating point guard. It's some, something has got to click for him to be able to contribute at a high level. Um, and I really think that's the key to making this thing sort of run. He played well against Purdue, played well in some of the earlier seasons. The offense was really running well. Um, but, you know, he's he just hasn't been lately, and I think that's really hindered the offense a lot. Uh, one one last guy I want to talk about was this big guy right here, Trevor Brazil. You kind of mentioned him a little bit there. Uh, but the, the big thing in the last game was right here, zero points. All he had was three rebounds in this game against North Carolina, I believe it was. Yeah, three rebounds, missed all four of his shots. You know, we talked to him on Monday, and he – I mean, he was asked about it, and he said that, you know, it's hard to go out there night in and night out and perform at a high level. You know, three basketball games, three days, three quality opponents. But we've talked about it time and time again on the on the postgame shows with Trevor in Brazil. If this is the, the first-round guy, like, he needs to be able to perform night in and night out. And, and – and maybe you're not maybe he's not going out there and giving you a double double against North Carolina after doing so, you know, the previous two nights. But you at least need some scoring from him and more than three rebounds. I mean, this is this is supposed to be your star player and you know, three three rebounds and zero points in, in a in a game against a 
a North Carolina team that that's a big win for you if you win that game. That's tough, right, Jackson? Yeah, you need Trevin Brazil to make some sort of an impact. Zero points, three rebounds. That that's really not much of an impact at all. Um, and I'll add on top of that, you know, his defense hasn't been great the past few games either. Part of that could be the three games in three three days, the, the legs not being there. Um, I have I've been disappointed in his uh, contests on perimeter jump shots, even some of his contests interior. He'll block shots, but then also his, his interior post defense hasn't been all that great too. So I think some of it, you 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 never want to speculate again, but like some of it might be lingering. Uh, mental stuff from from an injury like coming back from an from an acl injury like that i know it's got to be difficult um but you don't really know what he's going through what his thinking is all that sort of stuff okay um let's move on to just this duke game in general so you talked about duke you talked about their team they're five and one the one loss being to arizona you look at arkansas uh what so they've played they've lost three of their last four um, but it's in Bud Walton Arena. We know that Arkansas, no matter you know what Arkansas team it is, who the coach is, a game like this, Arkansas is probably going to show up. And so you're going to have the home the the home court advantage of Bud Walton Arena. It's going to be rocking. I looked at Ken Palm. Ken Palm has Duke favored by three. ESPN has Duke favored. I think it's fifty two point three percent in favor of Duke. Where are you at, Jackson? How, I mean, like, I know Arkansas, it's tough. I, I think you need to throw records out uh, in this game for sure. Yeah, no, you, you definitely need to throw rec- records out right now. Musselman's going, like we talked about at the top of the show, he's he's going, he's nitpicking. He gave every single player their report from, from the games in the Bahamas. Um, he looked through every single play, and he's looking at fixing stuff, and they're hitting the, the gym today and tomorrow, and then they got the game Wednesday. I think – we'll see an improved Arkansas product. I think we'll see some of the issues, if not completely fixed, at least addressed and attempted to fix. On top of that, you have home court advantage. You have a wide out from the crowd. Um, it's a massive, massive game. So I don't think I don't think the four and three, the loss to UNCG, I don't think that comes into play at all on Wednesday. I think it'll be a really good Arkansas team versus a really good Duke team in a really good environment. And you take all that into account, who knows what will happen. I mean, that's why it's it's a pick right now. That's why it's so close. I mean, preseason when Ken Palm first dropped, uh, I think he, that the analytics there had Arkansas favored by like half a point or a full point. Um, so there hasn't been a ton of movement. A few points, even though Arkansas has already lost three games and hasn't looked great, still being within three or so on, on Ken Palm, which is probably the – if not the best, one of the best analytics tools in college basketball. I think that says something about, you know, the margin of error and the ability for this team, the talent of this team to, to, to still correct things and make things happen. They, they actually have to do it, and I'm, I'm confident seeing Musselman's past rosters and teams being able to fix things. And if he's going full bore on it right now, uh, you know, who knows. I still think I'm picking Duke to win this game probably by four-ish. Um, but I think that's my official pick is Duke and a close one. Okay. We have a a couple more things to hit here. Uh, We're going to talk about – we're going to get to some questions um, from hogbeat.com. So, Jackson, I want you to pull up your mailbag uh, and and talk about some of the questions that you answered on the story that we're going to have posted on Tuesday morning 
on hogbeat.com, H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com. We will uh, post a free article where Jackson open or answers some of the mailbag questions from Hogbeat subscribers and Twitter uh, users. But if you want, if you want to confirm and make sure that Jackson answers your question and uh, you get your Arkansas information, you need to subscribe to hogbeat.com. Now, I will say this. By the time you're listening to this podcast, you completely missed out on our best deal of the year. That's why you need to be following us on Twitter. The Twitter, the Twitter profiles are down below. Been scrolling the, ho- the whole show. So uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. That's how you find out all the information going on with us, with hogbeat.com, and with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Okay, uh, let's get to this. So um, Arkansas dropped out of the top 25. We talked about lost three of the last four. Um, that's just what's going to happen. So obviously a win over Duke, you probably get back in. You know, you got to you got to beat Duke, but that's the only game they have this week, right? I think. Uh, check. I think no, so. I'm looking. I'm looking. Yeah. The, so the next game is December fourth. So that's next Monday against Furman. So a week from. Yeah. A week from Monday. Um. Yeah. I don't know. You think so? You think they can get back in the top twenty-five if they beat Duke, number seven? Uh. Probably not. Just knowing the way AP voters are. Um, it, it, the AP poll is so hard to judge because it's just a group of voters and not all of them seem to watch games. Uh, just bluntly, it doesn't seem because some of the votes just don't make sense. They either put their votes in before all the games are finished or they just didn't pay attention. Um, realistically, if Arkansas beats Duke, maybe some more losses ahead of them would help, but I think they should be like 24, 25. Okay. Okay, sorry, I was typing. I'm trying to I'm trying to get this cool thing to say to get your questions answered on hogbeat.com. Okay, um, mailbag. So you did your mailbag. I did. Talk about, talk about some of the interesting questions, the ones that you answered, um, and talk us through your process of what you went through when answering it. All right, so one question I thought was really interesting from a Hogbeat user, the U of A. Uh, is it time we stop referring to Mus as some portal genius? Uh, And I thought it was interesting because, you know, it seems like this roster, at least so far, has not gelled as well, has not performed to expectations, and really the roles haven't been defined, all this sort of stuff. Um, So I guess there's there's some sort of question from people or some frustration maybe of these slow starts, especially when you bring in these portal classes. Maybe that has to do with, like, fitting pieces together. Like, did did this class – uh, not fit together oh so well. Uh, does that make must a non-genius whatsoever? My answer to that was essentially, I'm not. I'm going to hold off on that um, until the end of this season. I think, you know, look, everything he's done in the past has proven he can take really talented players from the portal, plug them into his system, and the team succeeds. Um, so I think, but I don't think that makes him necessarily like a portal genius, quote unquote. I think that just makes him a good coach that he can take good pieces and and make them play well but also i mean he's landed some really good top players in, in the portal Odyssey tony was a huge get in the portal so is stanley amude um you know uh l ellis was a massive get Tremont mark was a, tra- a massive get caleb battle was a massive get so the the ability to pull these really good players from top programs as well and, and even just top names from even smaller programs that makes him I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he's a portal genius, but he's really good at working the portal. Um, and the fact did that – Did you mention Justin Smith in there? 
Oh, Justin Smith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Justin I feel like, I feel like he's an example. I mean, like he, you could argue he's a top three guy since Musk took over at Arkansas as far as transfer additions, right? I did a list in the offseason of the top 10 transfers of the Muslim era, and Justin Smith was in the top three. What? No, Note was one, right? I think. I, I think I had Note one and Justin Smith two. If I, mm-hmm. if I had to, I could be wrong, but I think that's what my order was. I think that's a good ranking. I think so. And part of that's because Note was here for multiple years instead of just one like Smith. But Smith made a huge impact. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would love to answer more questions, but we got to run. Looking forward to this game, Arkansas versus Duke. Uh, I mean, this, I mean, the atmosphere, I've been thinking about it. So Kentucky in 2019, or maybe it was 2020 was the year, but Muss's first year, Kentucky, when Cal Perry got ejected, that's probably the loudest I've ever heard Bud Walton Arena. The 2021 Auburn game, when they beat number one Auburn and everybody rushed the court, that was loud. I'm, I have, I have, I have high expectations for this one. I'm, I'm excited. I'm disappointed that you don't get to be there, Jackson. Yeah, I'm disappointed too. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, but it should be a great environment. I'll be obviously watching, and we'll obviously have a post game show up and ready uh, for y'all to tune into. So, well, as always, we'll talk about the game. We'll take. Uh, your guys' questions and and do our best to answer them. So make sure that you are subscribed to hogbeat.com. Got it right there on the screen. So we're recording this on Monday. That's why you see these stories. But uh, this is the latest of what's going on. We always have that at hogbeat.com. And we also have inside information on the trough message board. Um, And that includes access to all of our premium stories, including this stuff you see here on the left side. If it has that R uh, logo, that means that it's premium. If you subscribe, you get to read that, and uh, you also get access to all of our features on the message board. So uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure that wherever you're watching this video right now, you return to this location for after the Arkansas-Duke game. So tip-off is at 8.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, and whenever that game is over, Jackson and Riley McFerrin, who is the managing editor for Hogbeat.com, they're going to go live on our Hogbeat YouTube my Twitter, the Hogbeat Twitter. Jackson, we need to get your Twitter set up with it. Yeah, um, we do. And then um, and then I'm going to join the guys whenever I can get around to it. I'm going to go to the post-game press conference. And then, as always, you see it right there on the screen, hogbeat.com. We're going to have all of the post-game reaction there, everything you need to know. Just make sure you go to hogbeat.com. So uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Thank you for listening to this preview. And we are, we are very, very excited to talk about the game. And hopefully we're talking about an Arkansas win because that's good for everybody. It's good for us, for business, and it's good for the fans. And it's definitely good for Eric Musselman. I think that more than anybody in this world, Eric Musselman wants Arkansas to win on Wednesday. Oh, absolutely. And it's good for the people who follow me on Twitter who are tired of me posting negative things. <laughs> yes, dude. I'm so I, – I hate this version of Jackson. You, <laughs> you did have a good video. Uh, you posted the video of them talking about – the NBA broadcast where they were talking about Arkansas and you said the hog is strong. I thought that was a good, a good step in the right direction of you being a, a happier person. Oh, I'm, I'm happy all the time. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thanks Jackson. And thank you everybody for uh, listening to this episode, this episode of the JC Hoops pod.